Last week, I started a lesson called The Whole Zion. And this week, I want to finish that. I'm going to call that part two. I want to talk to you about what we can expect in this wonderful place, Zion. And I hope that I'm going to be able to unfold to you why it was necessary for us to cover everything we covered from the Old Testament in order to appreciate this amazing thing God has done. We're going to move from the concrete to the abstract, which means like in math, you start with pencils and apples and blocks, and then once you figure out how to add and subtract, then you can multiply and divide, and then you move on into concepts that you cannot see but you understand. So I hope that this lesson will give you some solid footing in things that are concrete so that you can apply them to the abstract, okay? Say, Jesus, help me. Jesus. Okay. So we are going to start in Isaiah, the 51st verse, verses 1 through 3. And I want you to understand that there's not a whole lot written in the New Testament about Zion because in the New Testament, God does what he said he would do in the Old Testament. Okay? So I want you to understand that. And Pastor said, he Sunday morning, when he talked about remembering, he said, as we're going through a difficult time, and we're not done, how many of you know we're not done yet? Okay? We're not done. But the Lord has said, I want you to set in front of you the joy of what's coming. And what's coming... God's going to do a new thing. He's going to do something spectacular with us, through us, and to us. And that's what Zion is all about. Amen? Amen. So this says, hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness and you that seek the Lord. So we know that there are people who are looking to do right and they're seeking the Lord. He put both of those together. He said, look to the rock from whence you were hewn. That means you were literally blasted out of rock. And the hole of the pit where you were digged. You came from a hard place. You came from a deep place. A low place. Hard and low. God dug you out. Say, he dug me out. Then he said, look unto Abraham your father and unto Sarah that bare you. Well, he's not talking literally. Sarah did not bear us, but these were the two people who believed God. And God counted it to them for righteousness. And he said, if you believe like Abraham and Sarah, you're like their kids. They started it, you followed. He said, I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. He said, I called one man, I blessed one man, and with one man I increased and produced a nation. Then he said, the Lord shall comfort Zion. Now wait a minute. I thought Zion was this magnificent place. Well, I'm going to jump to my punchline. Zion in the New Testament is the composite. Do you know what a composite means? It means put together. Okay? 
It means a bunch of things put together. He said, I'm going to do something so spectacular. I am literally going to take people who've been wasted. Look what he says. He'll comfort all her waste places. Now, do you know what a waste place is? That's where it's desolate. That's where nothing grows. That's where it's rough. That's where... And you know, the Lord, when he calls you, he knows what your past is. He knows what you came from. He knows what sins you committed. He knows what you did when you didn't even know you were doing wrong. He knows the guilt and the shame. He knows everything about you. And some of us have actually said, man, my life was a waste for the first however many years. I didn't know the Lord. He said, I'm going to comfort Zion. Now, why would Zion need comfort? Because God takes broken, wasted people and says, I'm going to make you the building blocks of my new Jerusalem. I'm going to take you individually and fix your mess. And then I'm going to show you in the New Testament what he does with individuals that he makes a composite of. Okay? He said all her waste places, and he'll make her wilderness. A, a wilderness? Well, yes, you have a wilderness. That's a wild, untamed place. It's where you feel out of control. It's where you, things are unexpected. The wilderness was characterized in the Old Testament by snakes and scorpions and serpents and things that hurt and bite and sting and devour, and he led them through all of that. Now, who knew that this beautiful place called Zion, and he said, I prefer this place. I prefer the wilderness and the desert of the people that I dug out of the rock. He said, well, I don't want the Lord to know about how I was raised as a kid. I, I'm trying to put as much distance between me and all that. And the Lord said, I know about your wilderness. I know about your wasted time. I know about your wasted years. I know what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. I look down at you and I see the whole picture. When I look down, I see it all. I see your childhood. I see your parentage. I see your past. I see everything you ever did. I see it all. I see your regrets. I, he said, and I'm going to comfort. Whoa. I'm going to comfort your waste places and I'm going to make your wilderness that wild place where you felt like you got hurt and abandoned and struggling and miserable, children of divorce, single parent. I don't know what your background is, but I dare say there's not a person in this room that doesn't have some kind of regret and wish, if only. And you feel limited by your circumstances. He said, I'm going to take your wilderness, and I'm going to make it like Eden. And you know what the word Eden means? It means pleasure. He said, I'm going to take the stuff you can't do a thing about. I'm going to make it like Eden. Three things happen to people in Zion. A waste, a wilderness, and a desert. Three things. Say, well, not me. Well, then you're not being real. I know exactly that I have a waste, a wilderness, and a desert. You know what a desert is? Just, just dry. There's no water. There's very little. It's, it's, 
You're grinding your way through. And some of us that have come through hard times and difficult times have said, I'm going to keep my children from feeling that. I don't want them ever to go through the kind of childhood I had. I don't want them to ever suffer the deprivations I've gone through. And then we make rules to try to keep our kids from... And I'm going to tell you something. You know where the waste, the wilderness, and the desert is? We're born with it. That's, that's the lie that the devil perpetrates. That you can do enough. I'm not telling you not to put up boundaries. I believe in boundaries. God knows I believe in boundaries. But it doesn't do any good to have a boundary around a field of weeds. And that's our character. He said, I'm going to take Zion. Waste, wilderness, and desert. And he said, I am going to, I'm going to give it comfort. I'm going to turn it into Eden. I'm going to make the garden of the Lord. And he said, in that desert, in that waste, that wilderness, and the desert, joy and gladness is going to be there. That means God's going to visit us individually, personally. This is why we come and we submit ourselves to his words. Because it's like, visit me. I want to visit you. I want to visit what you've been covering. I want to visit what you thought was wasted. I don't want to waste an ounce of your precious life. He said, I'm coming to Zion. Who's Zion? Who's Zion? It's not a where and it's not a what. It's a who. Do you know what the word Zion means? I looked it up. I bet you're surprised. Because I was like, well, what does that mean anyway? It means parched earth. That's pretty much what I was when Jesus found me. Just completely parched. You say, well, what experiences led you to that? Are you serious? I'm human. The most wonderful thing that happens when you come to God is you get to tell how miserable you are from the waste, the wilderness, and the desert. And he said, I am going to visit that place. I'm going to put joy and gladness there, thanksgiving, and the voice of melody. I'm going to make people sing. I'm going to show up in your mess. Hallelujah. I'm going to start, okay, you say, really? Are you sure? Well, come on. Let's go. Isaiah 54, 11 through 17. He said, I'm going to do this. Now I want you to look. He's not talking to sinners here. He's talking to people that love him. He's talking to people that followed him. And this is what he said. Isaiah 54, 11 through 17. Listen to this. Oh, thou afflicted. What? Afflicted? That means you're just, you got trouble on the left, the right, the front, the behind, above, and beneath. Afflicted. James said, if you're afflicted, pray. You mean to tell me that people that are in Zion are afflicted? Afflict? Does Tim Galoni have cancer? Well, uh, that's surely not an affliction. Are you kidding me? What does it do to your mind and your heart when your body's not cooperating? That is an affliction. Do you know what the Bible said of, about Jesus? He was afflicted. He was an afflicted man. This is our great God, afflicted. Don't be ashamed of your afflictions anymore. It's not because you don't have faith. It's for the glory of God. You're part of Zion. 
said, well, I, I thought I was going to be perfect. The world's concept of perfection and God's are not the same. The world's concept of perfection is physical flawlessness. The God's concept of perfection is spiritual maturity. Ain't got nothing to do with the physical because this outward man is perishing. God's idea of perfection has nothing to do with the absence of wrinkles and gray hair. In fact, he said, gray hair is a crown. And he said, stand up in the presence of gray hair and be respectful. That's where that came from in our culture. Now, our culture now finds no value in that. I'm just telling you that the Bible said afflicted. The Bible said Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Well, if you were living for God, you wouldn't be afflicted. Really? God was afflicted. He was acquainted with grief. And Isaiah said we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and we hid our faces from him. He must have looked disfigured. They didn't want to see him. He's an embarrassment. He wasn't pretty. He wasn't good looking. He wasn't a hunk. People were ashamed of him. That doesn't sound very GQ to me. And he said, afflicted, tossed with tempest. That means you go from one storm to the next, thrown about, just thrown every which way. Anybody felt like that during the Rona? Hello! Am I the only one? Y'all been having a party while we've been working. That's what's been going on. I'm not getting a witness in this house. He said, tossed with tempest and not comforted. David said, I wake up and I cry. Job said, when it's the day, I'm praying for the night. And when it's night, I'm praying for the day. I am just in agony and anguish. I'm just trying to get through. Has anybody ever felt that way before? I'm talking to you then. He said, oh, you afflicted, tossed with tempest, going through physical problems, emotional problems, mental problems. Let me tell you, I'm going to lay your stones with fair colors. Do you know what that means? I'm going to give some jewels into your life. I'm going to enrich you. I'm going to do some astonishing things with the afflicted and the tempest tossed. That shoots prosperity gospel right to the floor. If you've been struggling and the devil has told you that you've lost your job and you're having problems because you failed God, I came to tell you, you have found favor in his sight and he wants to enrich you. Oh, let's lift our hands right now. Hallelujah. Oh, my Lord. He said, I'm going to lay stones with fair colors and lay your foundations with sapphires. That's my birthstone. Oh, my Lord. And there are so many beautiful blue stones of every hue. And he said, when I get down to the bottom of you, I am going to heal. You're not going to be talking about your awful childhood and what you went through in your marriage. He said, when people get to the bottom of the bottom of you, it's going to be blue as sapphire. What does blue represent? The heavenlies. He said, I'm going to touch you with heaven. 
with common people like you and me. People who go, Jesus, I know I have been a mess. And although I'm in church and I'm living right, I recognize that I can't fix me. I, there's no way. There's not a, enough self-help books. But if I have been born again in Zion, and that's the key. You say, well, I want the Lord to do a finished work. That's not how it happens. We come in this thing with a wilderness and a waste and a desert. And God begins to enrich us. He begins to use our humanity to deal with us. We're afflicted and tossed with trouble. But while we're in the furnace, God is laying jewel stones inside your heart, inside your head. Hallelujah! He's creating Zion! Oh, lift your hand. Behold Zion! Hallelujah! He said, I'll make your windows of agates and your gates of carbuncles and your borders of pleasant stones. Well, I always thought that windows were the eyes. He said, I'm going to make your eyes sparkle. And whatever frame you've got, this is not what you're going to inherit. He said, but I'm, you're going to be beautiful in presentation. Does he mean physically? No, but he says, my presence and what I'm doing to you in the waste and the wilderness and the desert is going to be so beautiful. It's not wearing jewels. It's becoming the jewel. Hallelujah. That's what I see him doing. Behold Zion. But I want you to notice what he starts with. Affliction, tempest, and no comfort. And he lets us feel it. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 14. It says, in righteousness you shall be established. And no one's going to oppress you and you're not going to fear. I'm not going to let terror come near you. Once you get established in me and I'm established in you, you're just not going to be the way you used to be. Scared of every noise. Scared of everything. I'm going to tell you what. I know this coronavirus could take any one of us. Look at me. A car wreck could have taken me 16 years ago. I've had enough close shaves that if the Lord wanted to take me, I could have, y'all could have already had me buried, cremated, put away, whatever. It is only the Lord's goodness that has kept us alive anyway. We've been breathing His air for a long time. So what I'm telling you is there's no reason to be afraid when you know that you're in Zion and Zion's in you. And what I want to tell you is that's the process that's so hard. You get into the church and you get into the body and your instinct is to go, Shh, I've made it. But God not only wants you to get into the church, but He wants the church to get in to you. This is not a social club. This is a fiery furnace where he's bringing forth silver and gold and precious jewels. That's why we endure the lessons we listen to. And that's why we sing through the night. And that's why we praise him when we don't feel like it. And that's why we give and why we worship. God's doing something wonderful. Behold Zion! Hallelujah. Verse 16. I created the smith that blows the coals in the fire. I created the people that prepare weapons to crush you. I created the people that have the wisdom to know how to split the atom 
and then how to deliver it to another country. I created the people who discovered coronavirus and created it out of splicing one DNA strand to another. I saw them when they did it. I know them by name. I knew they were going to do it. And he said this, I created the people that did it. The verse 17, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. No weapon. You say they're coming with coronavirus. They're coming with the chip. They're coming with the sword. They're coming with this ethnicity and that. We've got to arm ourselves. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not telling you to be a fool. But I am telling you this. There is no weapon formed against you that can stand up against the name of Jesus and the king who sits enthroned in Zion. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and let's praise him right now. Hallelujah. He said, I'm talking about the real deal. People who could have walked away and wouldn't. People who could have given up and didn't. People who have fallen down and gotten up again and said, forgive me, I'm going to do better. He said, every tongue that rises against you and says, I thought you were a Christian. He said, you're going to condemn. I'm going to reveal you for who you really are. Hallelujah. I'm going to let the world know that you're the real thing. Behold Zion. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That's why we don't serve each other. We serve one another on the Lord's behalf. But always to Him. Their righteousness is of me. All right? Isaiah 35 and 1. He's going to bring redemption and healing to the wilderness. And then He talks about a solitary place. Have you ever been alone? Have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever said, nobody's like me? That place is in every human being who's ever breathed there. Say, no, I'm different. Nope, you're not. That's what it feels like to be disconnected from God. You're surrounded. Again, wilderness. Now he adds solitary place and desert. Isaiah 35 and 1 says, this is what he's doing to people that acknowledge they have that in them. Oh, not me. Well, I'm sorry then, you can't meet Jesus because if you can't admit that you got this stuff in you, then when he comes to do a work, you're gonna go, sorry. When he says, stretch forth your wilderness. Oh, here, see, I'm, I'm just fine, Jesus. Take your little pony and go someplace else. I'm fine. And people who are in Zion go, yeah, I got a wilderness and I got a solitary place here and, and I got a desert over there and <laughs> and I'm just limping along Jesus on the left and the right and he said the wilderness and the solitary place are going to be glad for them and the desert that dryness where you thought I'm dead I'm done I'm gone my life is over he said oh wait till you let me get in your desert and he said the desert's going to rejoice the desert the dry place in you is going to just leap up it's going to just, you're, yeah. you say, well, people have told me, jump, spin, turn. I'm going to tell you something. When God gets in you, you get in him and he gets in you, nobody got to tell you nothing about how to worship him. You suddenly, something hits you and you know, there is joy unspeakable and full. What happened to you? I was dead. I was 
was a desert. I was dry as a tomb. But there are living waters where there was nothing. There's a spring and there's beauty and there's joy. Oh, lift your hands and let's praise him right now. Behold Zion. Hallelujah. He said... It's going to blossom as the rose. It starts as a bud and it just gradually opens. Not a all of a sudden, bam, isn't that wonderful? It just takes time and it just gets better and better and better. Verse 2, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. What they are going to see in you and me, all these places and people, it's not going to be, you're such a beautiful person, you're so talented, you're so intelligent, you're so wonderful he said I did not call you from the rock and the pit so people would admire your person or your character I called you out so they would look at you and see me I want to use you as a canvas give me your withered limbs give me your wilderness give me your desert give it all to me Jesus, take it, please. I'm not hiding anything from you. I want it. Make me Zion, Jesus. Make me the place that you talked about. You said you'd rather be there than all the tents of Jacob. Jacob strung his own tents and set up his own housekeeping. He said, I would rather be in the gates of Zion. That's where people have let me do my work. Unimpeded. Without argument. Without pride and arrogance. Oh, not me. Not me. I don't need this. I'm, my God in heaven, I'm going, Jesus, roll me over. Do it again. Take, take this frail frame. You say, but Sister Shostrand, what if you start getting afflicted? Don't you understand that's where he does his best work? And pain and suffering and, and people that catch a glimpse of him like Job and they're going, I've lost all my kids, all my house, I've lost my health and everything and now I see you and I want to just curse you and die. You know what he said? Oh God, I had no idea you were so incredible. What was it he saw? I'll tell you what, it was worth everything he lost and then some. Because he said, I shut my mouth. Oh, you say, well, I, I would like to be a miracle, but I don't want to be blind to get it. I would love a miracle, but don't take my legs. I would love, wouldn't that be awesome to feel that much Holy Ghost? But I don't want to die and be Lazarus. And he's saying, I am going to get me some people that go, whatever. Mm. Wow. This is amazing. And then he said, he said, all this is going to happen. And everybody's getting a little, woo, woo. And then I, I hear the sound of people reasoning in this audience right now. I, I, but I can't take it. I'm not strong enough. I'm not. Verse 3, please. Strengthen your weak hands. Come on. How do you strengthen weak hands? You use them. Come on, strengthen your hands. Oh, but, but my knees... You know what they do for people with weak needs? They put a brace on them. He said, brace them. Brace them. But I, but I have weak hands and knees. He said, you're exactly who I want. The weak and the unsteady. 
<laughs> okay, I'm a great candidate. I can do that. I can't bench press 50 pounds, and I can't do a single chin-up. But I'll guarantee you, I can be weak-kneed and weak-handed. And the Lord said, that's who I'm after. I'm not after someone who can show me how strong they are. I'm after somebody who will let me show them how strong I am. Oh, but there's more. I don't have weak hands and feeble knees, but verse 4, I sure have a fearful heart. I'm scared for the Lord to get a hold of me. I don't let him get a hold of someone else. He said, be strong. Like, let there be light. That kind of commandment. Be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, a recompense, and he will come and save you. Yes, but if I get out there on the ocean and, and the Lord says, get out of the boat. Oh, God, I know I'm going to sink. I just know I'm going to fail. Ah! He said, be strong. Fear not. God's going to come and move stuff out of your way, whatever's been messing with you. He's going to bring a reward he's going to save you while he's at it. Oh, hallelujah! Behold Zion. So you can decide whether you want to ride the fence or you can say, go right on ahead, Jesus. When what's going to happen? After you get a hold of me and you start saving me. Verse 5, the eyes of the blind shall be opened. You're going to see some things you never saw before. Are there blind people in Zion? Evidently there are people who come and sit and listen and never see a thing. And then he said there are going to be people who are deaf and can't hear a thing and all of a sudden they're going to go, I hear, I understand, I get it. And then suddenly people who don't know how to pray and praise are going to break forth in a new language. What's happening? Zion has come. I'm in it and it's in me. Oh, lift your hands. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh my God. And the dumb is going to sing. People who were mute and couldn't even talk are going to. How great is our God. We've seen the mute talk. Her name is little Kathy Predmore. And every time the Lord does something in her, she has to sing again. What is she doing? Am I teaching her songs? No. The Lord is creating a new thing out of a tongue that couldn't even pray. Say, well, that's for her, not me. Are you crazy? Don't you want the Lord to do for you what he's doing for everybody else? I want it all. Don't give me A, B, and C. Take me all the way to Z. I want all of it, everything. In the wilderness, uh-oh, we're back in the wilderness. You know what God's going to do? Irrigate it, plant it, mulch it, and harvest it. Dear God, in a desert, waters are going to break out. I'm visualizing the deserts I've been through that just look so desolate and awful. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing Brother Dan in my mind and eye. 
artesian wells just leaping up and, and the water just going everywhere and you know that it doesn't take five minutes for something to grow when there's water. I'm always pulling weeds, dear God have mercy. I water the petunias and for every water a petunia gets, ten weeds come up and I'm pulling weeds. But that's not the way it is in Zion. God goes to your desert and the places that you try to keep him out of and hit back and hit away and he says let me in there I'm going to spring up and something beautiful is going to grow I'm going to start growing tomatoes and roses and asparagus and good things to eat and sweet smelling things I am the Lord that healeth thee oh listen Listen, streams in the desert, verse 7. And the parched ground shall become a pool. Not just a little water, but just but a huge... And the thirsty land, springs of water. The habitation of dragons. Fire-breathing comments. Fire-breathing thoughts that would devastate you. You'd be going along your business and all of a sudden a thought drop and just destroy everything. He said, I'm going to the place where the dragons have been laying in your life. And instead of places carved out by that little negative voice that eats you alive, he said, I'm going to put grass and reeds and rushes. That's cattails that grow by the water. Oh, my Jesus. Are you getting a picture? Do you recognize that this was not supposed to happen in Jerusalem, Israel? I want you to take your little bony finger and point it right here and I want you to say, I am Jerusalem. I am Israel. He wants to do this in me. It's not your DNA and your genes that make you beautiful. It's what you've let Jesus do with the life you got. Nothing can shine like the divine. Nothing. Verse 8. Oh, this is amazing. He said, smack in the middle of your waste, your wilderness, and your desert. I'm going to put a highway. What? Oh, yeah. I'm going to put a highway there. And a way. And it shall be called. You know what that is? I'm going to put Jesus smack in the middle. Did he not say, I am the... What did he say? I am the... He said, I'm going to put a way it shall be called Jesus of Holiness. I'm going to put a real being that can talk to you and tell you, walk this way, mm -mm -mm, this way, follow me. And anything unclean is not going to make the cut. But it shall be for those. Who are those? Those people that have come through the wilderness and the waste and the desert. He said nobody's going to err there. You're not going to be able to make a mistake there because the way is there. See, but what if I make a mistake? The way is there. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to for give us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mm. Oh, a highway will be there. Verse 9, no lion, uh -uh. no ravenous beast, 
said, I'm being eaten alive. You better get back in the way. You off track. You don't go to the lion's den. Not the one in Newark and not the one in the, in the spirit world. You do not open yourself to the devouring impact of lions. It, he said, it won't be found there, but the redeemed. It's a highway to heaven. None shall walk up there but the pure in heart. It's a highway to heaven. Walking up the king's highway. Now, Hebrews 12, 18 through 29 is what he said about where we are. You did not come to the mountain that might be touched, that burned with fire. You did not go to Mount Sinai, the actual mountain, like Mount St. Helens, and watch it smoking and shaking and burn with fire. You didn't come to blackness and darkness and tempest. Next verse. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words. He said, I never terrorized you with what the Israelites went through. Which voice they that heard entreated, don't talk to us anymore. Do not talk to us. Talk to Moses and let Moses talk to us. We can't bear to hear the sound of your voice. He said, you didn't come there. So terrible, verse 21, was the sight that Moses said, I'm terrified of this place. He said, that's not the Mount Zion you came to. I didn't bring you in this to terrify you with fear of hell and damnation and trouble and stress. He said, but you, verse 22, have come to Mount Zion unto the city of the living God. God built this city where you and I are. Here the sun is always shining and the skies are always bright. Here in Zion, even if you're being crucified for the joy set before you, you know that on the third day you're coming out of that trial victorious. You know there's going to be a Pentecost. You know you're going to get a refreshing. You know the fire is going to consume what's not God. You know your name's written. You know you count it all joy. Even when there's a fiery trial. Why? We made it to Zion. Say, well, I want everything to be peachy in Zion. Well, let me tell you what's in Zion. This is God's city. He said, I'm going to remove everything out of my city that offends. He said, I'm going to take away everything that causes people to stumble. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you this city belongs to God. You say, well, CAC belongs to us. I'm going to tell you something. This is his house and Mount Zion is his city and he can do with it what he wants. He purchased it in his blood. He is well able to defend it. Yes. He said, you've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. But lest you think this is just a social club, he said, let me tell you who's there in this city. You can't see him, but there is an innumerable company. Do you know what innumerable means, folks? Let's break that down. It means there are so many, they cannot be counted. 
Now, I don't go around aware of the presence of angels. And I'm not looking for feathers that tell me that an angel lost a feather or a wing. I don't buy all that. I don't believe in magical thinking. I don't have to have my teeth filled to know that God raised Lazarus from the dead. I'm not looking for hokey miracles. I'm not looking for him to prove himself. He filled me with the Holy Ghost and changed my nature. He turned the wolf to a lamb. He turned the lion to a dove. He changed me when he got inside of me. But he's not finished because he's doing something. He's doing something spectacular in this last day. And he's got a host of angels. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord, just one, encamps. How big is he that he camps around me, around them that fear him? Now you either believe that or you don't, and I can tell you stories where the angel of the Lord literally delivered me, although I couldn't see him. I know he did. I'm just telling you, Bishop, I want you to stand up for a minute. He was working in the men's department at Sears 50 plus years ago. Stan, I want everybody to see you. I want them to look at how handsome you are and how wonderful you are. Here he is. He's going to be 87 years old, August. And, and God has been good to him. And he was working in the men's department 50 plus years ago. And a little old lady got confused and tried to put her car in drive to go forward forward and she put it in reverse and she backed into a plate glass window where he was standing folding men's pants or socks or shirts or whatever. She went flying through the plate glass and the people that were working with him saw her hit where he was. Saw the car come through. They knew he was under it and crushed. They got under it. They looked for him. They couldn't find him. You know why? Because he was on the other side of the store. Completely unharmed without a scratch. What am I telling you? At the moment of impact. Hey! The angel that kept surrounding. Why? That man was born in Zion. He made it to the city. And the city defended him. I want you to holler right now. Just shout. Hey! I know people want me to be scared of the Rona. And I want you to be careful. But I'm going to tell you something. If I perish, let me perish. I made it to Zion. And nothing can harm me. Hey! Innumerable company of angels. You either believe it or you don't. Next verse. To the general assembly. I'm not by myself. I may have a solitary place. I can't have church with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and this body wears out so quickly. I only have so much steam. But when you make it to Zion, you've made it to the general assembly where there are millions of us who are believing and waiting for their stones and their change. The church of the firstborn. 
not a bunch of limping stragglers who are riding the fence trying to decide whether they want immortality and eternal life, but people whose names are written in heaven. And I'm not coming to an earthly man to sit me down and tell me you did this right and you did that wrong. I'll tell you who I stand in front of every day of my life. God, the judge of all. You stand before him and let him look you in the eye and try to tell him you're without sin. You stand in front of him and tell him you don't need correction when you get in front of the judge of all in Zion. Nobody has to tell you to be humble. It's natural. You get in front of the judge. And there is a reverence it'll hold you you know I'm doing this in front of the judge why are you telling us such things because the jeweler has stepped into the vault and he's picking you up and turning you over and deciding where he's going to lay this stone and that stone hallelujah you'll only make the cut if you come through the fire Say you're lying to me. I'm gonna prove it to you. Behold, Zion. You say I'm not much. You're something spectacular to God with your little weak knees and your gray hair and your failing body. He is not looking at your age, your credentials, your genes. He's looking at the work of his own hands. He said, I'd rather be with you. But the world doesn't think I'm beautiful. They didn't think I was either. You're beautiful to me. You're letting me work on you. You cry, but you don't complain. And you don't run from me. You let me work. Oh, it hurts. I know, baby. I know. I'm creating Zion. Oh, my God. I'm creating. I'm doing the finishing touches. And the pressure may get a little harder. And it may get a little higher. And it may get a little more difficult. But what are you going to do? Go ahead, Jesus. Go ahead. Do what you got to do. To the spirits of just men. Ordinary men. Who did the right thing. You're not doing this by yourself. There are millions who have come before us. Who have gone through everything you're going through right now. And he said, I perfected them. Stay with me. I'm going to do something phenomenal in you. Go on. I feel like I'm walking down the street. Oh, there's the General Assembly. There's the Church of the Firstborn. There's God the Child. Oh, look at those people. He made them perfect. And there's Jesus, the Lamb. Oh. It doesn't start with Jesus, you end with him. Once you get over the fact that there are angels everywhere and thousands and thousands of people who are doing the same thing and then you wind up. Oh, Jesus, it's you. Your blood gave me entrance into this city. Thank you. And then he says this next verse. Go on to the next. Ah. Attention. 
see that you don't refuse him that speaks. He said, I still speak. But I don't speak from the top of Sinai in some remote place in the desert. He said, the day you went to Jerusalem and got full of the Holy Ghost, I built Zion in you, and I talked to you right from your own experience with me. Don't ignore me. That is an abrupt. For if they escape not who refused him that spoke on earth, he said, you think I'm going to loosen up? And then he says, verse 28, I'm skipping down. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. He said, you're not going to shake this mountain. He said, well, I feel shaken and I'm getting offended. Then you need to get back on the path because you're off track. I can tell you right now, when we're offended, we, we are not walking with Jesus. We're not in the way because there's no lion there and no beast, and nothing that tears and destroys. He said, none of that is in my holy mountain. So if I'm being eaten alive, I have left the mountain. He said, this kingdom can't be moved. Receive the unmaved, unmerited favor of God so you can serve him with reverence and godly fear. And then he ends like this, bam. Because God is a consuming fire. That's why the new Jerusalem is not going to need a sun or a moon. Our all-passionate God is going to light the whole place up just as he is. And he is fire in his truest form. He is pure fire. Now, Ephesians 2, 19 through 21, and I'm going to finish this. It's 8.02, and I want you to listen to me well. Now, therefore, church of Gentiles, you are not strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. And he's talking all the way back to Enoch. He's talking about all those people that believed from the beginning of time to this very day. He said, you belong to them as fellow citizens with the saints and the household of who? God's house. Not mine, not pastors, not CAC. Man, I belong to something much bigger and more awesome. And it's not pastor looking over my shoulder. It's God himself. And you're built on the foundation of 12 apostles and prophets all the way back to Methuselah and Enoch. And then Jesus Christ. He said, so don't tell me your mom and daddy raised you in this. Don't even go there. Because if you haven't been born in Zion, it doesn't matter how many generations you've been sitting in this church. You must be born again. You must be born of water and you must be born of spirit. And saying that your last name is da-da-da-da-da will not buy you anything. And you want to be part of what he's going to do. Verse 21. In whom all the building, fitly framed together, grows. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that God is doing stuff in her and him and me 
because just like Solomon took stones and put them together, and he never put a hammer on, notice that. I'm going to tell you something. The Lord will not create what he's trying to create in you and me by hammering at us. He's not going to do that. He's not going to, if you don't do this, you're going to bust hell wide open. If you don't let me heal you, if you don't get to that altar, if you don't do da, 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 da. It's not how he's going to do Zion. He's just going to speak. And the sheep that know him are going to go, yes, your majesty. Not my will. He said, I'm going to take the people I've been working on. I've been working on that one and I'm going to fit these three together. What are you doing? I'm going to build me a temple, not out of flesh and bone, but out of what I've created in that flesh and bone while she was here on this earth. I'm putting some stuff in her and she's worried about her life, but I'm taking care of all these things and I got a place for her. I'm going to make something exquisite out of her when I join her with that one over there and this one. Oh my God, really? I thought all you wanted to do was just give me a good little happy life down here. And he's like, no, no. No, I'm making something eternal out of you in your flesh and bone so that when your flesh and bone are gone, what I have done will remain. I said, Jesus, help me tell our church this. He said, tell him, behold, Zion, this is what I cherish. This is what's precious to me. He said, I'm fitting them together. I'm putting, I can't drive them. I can't make them want it. But those who are mine are going to lay down and say, do it. And then I'm going to do all kinds of things through their trials and tribulations and their unique situations. I'm going to create sapphires and diamonds and rubies. I'm going to make pearls. I'm going to make splendor out of suffering and sorrow and afflictions. I'm going to take it and weave something so magnificent. Go on. In whom you are builded together. Oh, but I belong to family so-and-so. I'm going to tell you something. Your last name is not going to amount to a hill of beans. Your last name is not going to purchase for you the kind of workmanship God's trying to do. Oh, we're at the end, folks. So whatever trials are about to come our way, our finishing touches, filigree. It's, it's the work where you go, oh, I didn't see that. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And our challenge is going to be, don't touch me! Versus, I surrender all. If you knew how soon he was coming, it would be cheating. Because you would stampede out of fear, and that's not what he wants. He wants permission to perfect. Hallelujah. There's nothing there in that. That's it, isn't it? Oh, and then here it is. And I saw it. Right now I'm somebody's wife and mother and grandma and daughter and sister. And I'm doing my best to fulfill all those roles, but I, I am so much more than that. I'm a something. I'm being prepared to link to another stone to form the new Jerusalem.
That's why Paul caught a glimpse of it and he said, that's why I glory in afflictions and sufferings. He said, I, I get what you're doing for me and when I'm screaming, God, don't stop it. Please remove it. What I really mean is give me strength to go through it. Don't stop. I want to be part of Zion. I want you to close your eyes right now. I have tried to paint with words what I have seen in a vision from the Lord. A flesh and bone becoming a temple, a habitation for the invisible, incredible, awesome, inexplicable, incomprehensible God who is Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. I cannot even imagine how he created the world. I cannot imagine how he's creating Zion. Lord, I know that this is the end. I know it is. Everything in me says, ready yourself. And I have no idea. The new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. What does that mean? It means that any change that reflects the glory of God came from heaven. It didn't come from earth. Do I believe there's an actual place for us? Yes, there is some kind of geographic location that my poor mind cannot comprehend. I know I cannot begin to figure out where the heaven is, the sixth heaven, the seventh, or where you're going to do it. But I know that what I've seen is true, that out of men and women and children who love you, you are literally building something exquisite and magnificent. Oh, and the only way we're going to be part of that city is if that city is in us. And you're the Lord of all. Oh, God, let these words fall on people who have thought about maybe turning back. and People who just need to see the joy set before them. Twelve stones, twelve foundations, gates of Open our understanding right now. I want you to let the song roll over you. I can't make you want this. I can't, I can't manipulate or intimidate you into this love of this king. But the question is, do you want to do a work or do you want to be a work? want to collect jewels or do you want to be made into a jewel hallelujah only God knows let the Lord talk to you right now and instead of fighting your circumstances let's ask God to take them and make Zion out of them oh 